if he's been good to you, say amen, church. We're glad to see you. Grab your handbook, stand to your feet now. Brother Ken's going to come lead us. Let's all stand together. We'll make a joyful noise. Thank you for coming out on this Sunday morning. Let's sing together, Brother Ken. Amen. Page 194 this morning, the Blue Songbook. Page 194, since Jesus came into my heart, we'll do the first, second, and last verse. Then number 194. congregation. Wow, you sound good this morning. You almost sound as good as you did last Sunday. Amen. Thank you for being here. I appreciate it so much. A couple of quick prayer requests for you today as Brother Roger is going to lead us. Pray for Miss Whitley. Uh, she is in labor, uh, has been all day yesterday and all night last night and still in labor today. So pray for Whitley, if you would, please, that uh, things will, it, I know, all the women are going, oh, Pray for Whitley that uh, uh, Mike did tell us that the contractions were coming more quickly. So pray for an easy delivery. Well, it's not easy. It's already too late for that. But a quick delivery. Pray for her if you would. Remember our services today. We sure need the presence of the Lord. I want you to continue to pray for Brother Steve Thacker as Connie sits with him. Uh, in his days, we ask that you remember him. And, of course, preaching today, I'm going to ask Brother Roger to take us to the throne of grace. Uh, and let's storm the throne room together. Brother Wells, you pray for us this morning. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the privilege that it is to be able to gather in your house. Father, we thank you for another beautiful day you've blessed us with. We thank you most of all for Christ and for salvation. We just pray that you'd be at the different prayer requests that we've had today. Father, we just pray that you would be able to grant us the ability to handle your will. And we do pray for your will in all of these prayer requests. We just thank you for all you've done for us. Father, we thank you for the stuff that you've protected us from. 
We just pray that you would be here this morning, that you would bless Brother Greg as he brings forth the lesson and the service. We just pray you'd be at the choir. We ask you to be a blessing to folks, and we'll just thank you for everything. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. How many of you would say amen that the Lord's been good to you? I love to hear Ken sing this song. I hope it blesses your heart. It's You've Been Good to Me.
fourth song we'll do for you this morning. And I know I say this all the time, but I am addicted to this song. I love, love, love it. For every one of us as Christians, there are times when we need to get away from the stresses of this world. Amen. When the world's weighing down too much, the things we have to face every day become a little overwhelming. And I am glad for every child of God, there is a place where we can hide. The psalmist says that we are under his wings. Scripture gives us so many instances where the saints of God would find special places that God had prepared just for them. You listen to the choirs, they sing, He Will Hide Me.
awesome job, choir. Wonderful job. Thank you so much. I've got several announcements to give you this morning. I got to actually change a few things that are in the bulletin, so we want to call your attention to all of these. First of all, uh, choir practice has been changed to next Sunday. I've got to change that from my schedule, so choir will meet at next Sunday. Uh, I've got a note in there. We would love to have you. If you're a faithful member of SAGBC, we would love to invite you to join us. If you're going to, please let me know. We're putting together some new choir books for the choir. One of the reasons why we're postponing for a week to have all of that ready. Uh, so if you will have, uh, let me know you're participating. We'll make sure that we've got you a book as well. Then I want to call your attention to next Sunday morning, a week from tomorrow. A week, no, a week from today. Today is Sunday. A week from today, uh, we will celebrate Pastor Ken's uh, birthday, 930 downstairs in Sunday school. Everybody's invited. He will be celebrating his 57th birthday. So, um, amen. How old are you? How old will you be? 43? He'll be celebrating his 68th birthday next Sunday morning. Actually, it's on Monday, isn't it? It's on Monday. Sunday. It is on Sunday. We're going to have his birthday party next Sunday morning. 9.30. During the Sunday school, we'll have breakfast, have a good time together. So all classes are invited. We'll move all of Sunday school downstairs. Uh, Miss Renee is putting together a very specific menu. So if you can help her with that, ladies, you let her know. Otherwise, we want you to bring yourself to smile, a gift card for him, and let him know you love him. Then also, uh, I've got a few other things to change, if you will. Uh, no, the final Awana is on May the 15th. That's a Wednesday night, May the 15th. And then on the 19th, we're going to make that whole day graduation Sunday. So what that means is that uh, typically we do the first uh, Sunday in June as graduation Sunday. But we're going to make that May, and we'll probably change this permanently now, to make uh, uh, that date in May that we do uh, want a graduation in the evening and in that morning, which will be May 19th. We will recognize high school and college graduates as well that morning. And we'll, of course, have the table set up and all of that good stuff. So that entire Sunday, which will be uh, May the 19th, will be graduation Sunday. Uh, and that morning, during this morning services, we will recognize high school as well as college graduates. And then Sunday evening, we will do our Awana graduation for 1819. So please keep that in mind. Also note, if you would, please, uh, 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 the sign-up for the Women's Mountain Retreat is in the postal area. If you're planning on attending this year, please make sure you put your name down. Also, this one is not in the bulletin, but our senior saints that are heading to the National Quartet Convention, your next $100 deposit is due by when, Miss Billy? Next Sunday. So please get that next $100 in by next Sunday. Uh, keep that in mind if you would. And then thank you so much to those who came out yesterday for the golf tournament, those who helped with the other activities happening with our kids yesterday. I see several faces that are glowing sun-kissed this morning. Somebody forgot to wear their sunscreen. Amen. So uh, uh, we appreciate the hard work that everybody did making that happen. Uh, then one other change regarding our teen conference. Uh, the money has to be in by May the 26th. So uh, we will get the allocations given to you so you'll know how much you got. And the balance will be due by May the 26th, $300 for those who are going with us uh, on our teen conference. And man, are we ever looking forward to that. Then finally, also want to note that tonight... Uh, I've got something special to share with you preaching-wise. I'm going to preach to you tonight about a character that I don't think I've ever preached on before. So I just want to give you that little tidbit and invite you to be with us tonight. All right, let's get
get all the little ones to make their way down this morning, if you would, please. Uh, all the kids that are heading to Children's Church and Junior Church, while they're coming, let me say a big thank you for our Jesus bag offering last week. We had right at $750 turned in and change. We appreciate that. So all the little ones, come on, make your way. If you're heading to Children's Church, come on this morning. his eyes off that bucket of money. I don't know if y'all saw that or not. Amen. All right. He's going to end up being a Baptist preacher. All right. <laughs> Fellas, make your way down this morning, if you would, please. Miss Betty, you come get ready to sing for us. You be obedient unto the Lord with God's tithes and your offerings. Thank you so much for your kindness. Again, for last week, your generosity for our special Easter offering. Lord bless you for that. And we're going to listen to Miss Betty as she sings. Let's pray together. Ask God's blessings upon our offering today. Lord, we love you today, and we're so thankful to be in your house. We praise you for the opportunity that you've provided for us 
to come together. Lord, thank you for what this day stands for. Lord, just as much as last Sunday on Easter, we still celebrate a risen Savior. So, Lord, I pray your blessings upon us today. Bless the preaching, the singing, the offering. Sister Betty, as she sings now in Christ's name. Amen.
again. Let's all stand together one more time for our fellowship song, page 173, Love Lifted Me. We'll do that first verse. And of course, have a time of fellowship, page 173.
book of Joshua this morning, please. Chapter number nine is where we'll be turning. The book of Joshua. Book of Joshua. Chapter number nine this morning. Book of Joshua. While you're turning there, Miss Betty was sharing, Betty Cano was sharing with me this morning. She knows how much I love this preacher, but today is the last radio broadcast of 50 plus years for Pastor Tracy Freeman from Collinsville Baptist. I love, love, love that preacher. Uh, he has stood by the stuff for a long time, and today's his final broadcast. So uh, if you see Brother Tracy and his sweet wife, you let them know you love them and appreciate what they've done for the, or what he's done in the ministry, her with him the last few years. So you pray for them if you would. Joshua chapter number 9, if you would, please. Joshua chapter number 9 is where we'll be looking. We've spent some time, we took a bit of a pause during the Easter season, but we've spent some time looking at the Israelites as they made their westward journey into the promised land. Series of messages that we've called Claiming Spiritual Victory. This morning, I want to look at a very specific passage that is as pertinent to us today as it was to the Israelites under Joshua's leadership as they crossed over into the promised land. We've talked about how they made their way across the Jordan River. We've talked about their battle with life's strongholds as evidenced by the battle of the great walled city Jericho. We've talked about their conquering of Ai, referencing it to our own battles with our flesh. This morning, what we're going to look at is something that is, I think, probably as difficult to look at as any passage that we'll read in Joshua 9. I'll preface it by something that I watched on television a few weeks ago Laying in a hotel room, don't remember the city, doesn't really matter. Renee had drifted off to sleep, and I was unable to get to sleep. I read a while, still couldn't go to sleep, so I flipped on the television, found my favorite program, which is Animal Planet, amen, because I am a geek and a nerd that way. And uh, I really enjoy it when she's asleep, amen, (laughs) and came across a fascinating little story that I think parlays directly into our message this morning. There is in Denmark a species of butterfly called the Alcon Blue Butterfly. Alcon, A-L-C-O-N, Blue Butterfly, who has figured out an incredibly deceptive way to feed. It has glands in its bodies that secrete a sicky substance that is absolutely addictive to Danish ants. Say that again. This Alcon blue butterfly secretes from its body, from from, from glands within its body, a very sticky sweet substance that is absolutely addictive to Danish ants. In fact, the commentator said, that when ants begin to get a taste of this, it is as addictive for them, quote, as crack is for humans. So literally, this Alcon blue butterfly secretes a substance that is the crack of Danish ants. And so the ants literally will carry, especially in pupa form, this, this blue butterfly back to its colony. And so ants, uh, from as far as you can see, will begin to gather around this Alcon blue butterfly in hopes of just getting a little taste 
of the sweet substance that this butterfly is secreting. What the ants don't know is that the blue butterfly feeds on one thing, ant larvae. So literally, these ants have brought back into their colony the destruction of their next generation. The ants have literally brought back into their midst the thing that will serve to destroy them. And in fact, the commentator said, oftentimes, by the time there is any understanding that all of the ant larvae have been devoured, it's too late. One action, one action will seek and destroy the entire next generation. There's a lot of preaching that can be had right there, folks. In fact, that's what we're going to look at this morning. Because as the Israelites made their way westward across the promised land, following out the orders of God to destroy everything in its pathway, it should not surprise us that news of what had happened began to spread. And other tribes began to be in fear because they recognized the vastness and the power that the Israelites had with them. So what you're going to discover is that a certain group of people led by the Gibeonites are going to try to trick the Israelites into not following God's orders. Let me say that again. The Israelites are about to be tricked by the Gibeonites into not doing what God says. We'll read passages throughout as we go in, but I want to state a very simple introduction. Our enemy has not changed in thousands of years. He is still out to seek and destroy whom he may devour. He wants your home. He wants your children. He wants your testimony. He wants your job. He wants your family, he wants your church, he wants your pastor, he wants your friends. Anything that you know is a gift from God, the enemy wants to destroy it. The challenge is that so often, unbeknownst to us, we invite him and his crack, and I say that spiritually, we invite him into our midst Unbeknownst to us, he's seeking and to destroy the next generation. So we're going to give you a message this morning that I'm entitling, A League with the Enemy. A League with the Enemy. I want us to begin reading this morning, if we can, with verse number 1 of Joshua, please, chapter number 9. Came to pass... When all the kings which were on this side, which means the westward side of Jordan, in the hills and the valleys, the coast of the great sea over against Lebanon, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, the Jebusite, heard thereof. They gathered themselves together to fight with Joshua and with Israel with one accord. There are three things that I will invite you to examine with me this morning. Number one, critically important, note with me that we have a deceptive enemy. 
Let me pause and state unequivocally this morning before I begin something that I state often, but I want to say again, our enemy is not another church. Our enemy is not another domination. Our enemy is not another style of worship. Our enemy is not a person this morning. Our enemy is called by several names in Scripture. Satan, Beelzebub, the prince of this air, prince of this world. You understand this morning that our enemy is none other than Satan himself. We've done far too much of making enemies where enemies don't exist. And we have failed far too often to identify who our real enemy is. You see, folks... Our enemy's works are clearly deceptive. When you read the history of these ites that are mentioned in verse number 1, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Hivites, over and over, you will describe or you will find that they hated each other. These were tribes that were constantly at war with one another, despised each other. But the Israelites made their way across and suddenly they found one thing in common. They were united against God. They were united against the people of God. And I fast forward again some 5,000 years or 3,500 years, and I'm reminded of the fact that the enemies of God can hate each other, but they are still united against this one thing. They are trying to shut down the message of the church. Enemies got deceptive works. He also has deceptive ways. Jump with me to verse number 3, if you would, please. Notice what Scripture says. When the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done unto Jericho and to Ai, they did work willily. That's a word we don't use often anymore. If you write it, or if you write in your Bibles, underline that word willily. I like saying it, willily. (laughs) They did work willily. Went and made as if they had been ambassadors. And took old sacks upon their politicians. That's not what that says, is it? Amen. (laughs) Old sacks upon their asses and wine bottles, old and rent and bound up. Old shoes and clotted upon their feet. And old garments upon them. And all the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. If you will take a look this afternoon at a map of the 12 tribes of Israel, you will find that where the inhabitants of Jerusalem or of Israel are at this point on the map is not but a few miles away from where Gibeah is. But do you understand what's happened? The Gibeonites have put upon themselves old clothes They put upon themselves shoes that look like they've been clotted with mud. They're wearing clothes that look like they've been traveling a far distance. They've put up in their sacks a a bread that looks old and moldy to give a false impression of who they are. They're being fake about who they are. Let me say that again. They're being fake about who they are, and the message that they're giving is not real. I'll pause a moment and remind you that the Gibeonites are the enemy. And they're giving a false identity as to who they are and what they represent. Much like the story that I started with this morning, the ants don't often realize until it's too late that the very guest that they've invited into their midst is about to destroy their colony and their next generation. 
May I pause a moment and say to you folks that oftentimes uh, one of the reasons we have so much trouble with our enemy is that he does not appear uh, with a red picket fence or, or rather a pitchfork and a red tail and a red suit. Get rid of that image of deviled ham devil off of your mind. That's not what he looks like. Scripture describes him as an angel of light. Scripture says uh, that he's come to seek and to devour uh, us. uh, And in order to do so, uh, his appearance uh, is not one that we would jump back and say, that's our enemy. Uh, So often uh, he steps in uh, and he gives us a plan uh, that appears to be the perfect thing. Uh, He steps in uh, and he delivers uh, false goods. Uh, May I say to you this morning uh, that when it comes down to that point, uh, you cannot even check your own instincts to see if they're in a line. Align it with the word of God. What do you mean, preacher? Let me be blunt this morning. You are told many things today that are just wrong. You are told crazy things like trust your heart. Don't trust your heart. You are told crazy things to trust your emotions. The last thing you should do is trust your emotions. You are told things like, if it feels good, it's okay. May I submit to you this morning, just because we feel it, just because we think it, just because we even like it, does not mean it's right. And so, when the Israelites looked at the Gibeonites and saw their appearance and saw what looked like that they'd come from afar, there was something inside of them that said, hmm, that kind of makes sense. That's dangerous right there. Deceptive ways, deceptive works, and then deceptive words. Please jump with me to verse number 6. They went to Joshua, to the camp of Gilgal, and said unto him and to the men of Israel, We be come from a far country. Now, therefore, make ye a league with us. You go back and you look at that map, and you will see they are from just a few miles away. Verse number 7. The men of Israel said unto the Hivites, Boy, notice this, y'all. Peradventure you dwell among us. How shall we make a league with you? Can I pause a moment? You see, God told the Israelites, anybody that's in the confines of the promised land, you've got to destroy them. They have to be eradicated. In order for you to maintain the fact that you are the people of God and not allow their idolatrous ways to influence you, you've got to destroy them. But now the Gibeonites are given the impression that they've come from way outside the boundaries of the promised land. You with me? And a few of the Israelites looked at them and said, Now, wait a minute. What if y'all are trying to trick us? What if you are trying to trick us into making a deal with you and you are really from among us? In other words, you're within the promised land. There was something in the back of their minds that said, This isn't right. I tend to think for those, no, I don't think, I know. For those of us that are saved, we call that the Holy Spirit of God. When you've got that thing, that little voice within you that says you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't go there, you should not engage in this, or you've got that voice within you that says you should do this, this is something that's important, this is the voice of God, you better be very careful, folks, that you're listening to the voice of God and not the voice of the enemy. Let's keep reading. Notice, if you would, please, the next verse, verse number 8. 
They said unto Joshua, We are thy servants. Joshua said unto them, Who are you? And from whence come you? They said from him, From a very far country. Thy servants are come. Because of the name of the Lord thy God, we have heard the fame of him and all that he did in Egypt and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites that were beyond Jordan, to Sihon, king of Heshbon, to Og, king of Bashan, which was at Ashtaroth. Wherefore, our elders and the inhabitants of our country spake to us, saying, Take victuals uh, or food, we would say with you for the journey. Go to meet them and say to them, We are your servants, therefore now make ye a league with us. This bread we took hot from our provision out of our houses on the day we go forth. And now, behold, it is dry and moldy. These bottles of wines which we filled when new, and behold, they be rent, and these are garments, and our our shoes are become old by reason of the very long journey. Can I paraphrase this? Lies, lies, lies. Every word that comes out of their mouth is a lie. Why? They're trying to deceive God's people. Lie after lie after lie. What a picture. Of the lie the enemy tells. Can I pause a moment and say something and be rather blunt and ask your forgiveness? Far too many believers' lives have been destroyed by the lies of the enemy. Far too many Christian homes have been ripped apart because of the lies of the enemy. Far too many churches have been destroyed because of the lies of the enemy. Far too many testimonies have been ruined because of the lies of the enemy. You know, I understand that this kind of preaching doesn't get lots of amens, but would you listen to me carefully? This is the kind of preaching where we send up the warning flag and say, Be careful, be careful, be careful. And there are far too many people, I'm not being unkind, but I'm going to be real, far too many people will sit back in their pews and think, uh, preach it, preacher, they need it. Would you listen to me? Some of the finest Christians I've ever met were deceived by the lies of the enemy. Some preachers... Uh, Pastors that I love dearly uh, who had to give up their pulpits because they fell into sin because of the lies of the enemy. Homes uh, that you thought were as solid as a rock uh, falling apart because of the lies of the enemy. Churches that used to do incredible things for God uh, falling apart uh, because the leadership got caught up in sin because of the lies of the enemy. Here's the warning flag, folks. And it's not for them or them or them. It's for us. It's for us. Our enemy is deceptive. Not only is our enemy deceptive, he's also destructive. You see, the enemy doesn't just lie. He seeks to destroy. Reading a lot of scripture this morning. I want to show you what happens to the Israelites when they start believing the lie. Hear me. This is what happens when they start believing the lie. Jump to verse 14, please. Notice what it says. And the men took, the men of Israel took of their victuals. 
Go back again, if you would, to verse number 7. They've already got some question. Peradventure, you dwell among us. How shall we make a league with you? They said unto Joshua, we are thy servants. And Joshua said unto them, who are you and from whence you come? They give this lengthy description. They hand the food to the Israelites. And in verse number 14, Israelites reach out and grab the food that the Gibeonites offer. What's that mean, preacher? That means when the enemy starts lying to us and we start believing it, we can't see very clearly. I, I got to say that again, y'all. Again, I know Resurrection Sunday, we're going to hoot and holler and have a great time, but this is just every bit as important as everything we said last Sunday. You see, when, when, when we start believing the, uh, the, the lies of the enemy, the first thing that goes is our spiritual sight. We start believing and looking at and seeing the thing. Our spiritual vision gets dim. You understand, folks, one of the reasons, I, I, I hope you'll amen me on this. One of the reasons I preach about this kind of stuff is Scripture tells us in 1 Peter 5, 8 that we should be sober and vigilant. And you hear what I'm about to say. As believers, we do not have to fall into the enemy's trap. I promise you he has laid a trap. Every young person sitting here or anywhere around the building, you look at me, God's got an incredible plan for your life. He's got great things in store for you. But the enemy will put counterfeits in... He will put counterfeits in front of you, uh, and the aim of that uh, is so that you choose that which is less than perfect in God's eyes. Uh, when the enemy gives you a counterfeit, uh, do not stand there and say, what if? You run, you run, you run from the counterfeit. When my daughter was getting married, Renee wrote to several women throughout the country and asked them to write some things that Lydia would open up at various times. Some on your wedding day, some on your anniversary, some five years in. There was one particular letter that actually came to my personal email so that I could print it out. That's the one, candidly, I read. <laughs> it was in my inbox. Amen. <laughs> and what this preacher's wife said was astonishing. She gave my daughter, and I give to every one of you by application a very clear warning. Your enemy will put something fake in front of you and try to convince you that it is worth more than what God's already given you. May I pause a moment? She said something like this. You've heard this analogy, but it's good for every one of us. She said, Lydia, understand there's no perfect spouse and there's no perfect marriage. Can we say amen to that? She said, far too many people spend their lives looking at the 15% that's not perfect and forgetting about the 85% that God's already given them. It's good preaching right there. And she said, before you know it, uh, the enemy will put that perfect 15% in front of you. And he will try to convince you that that 15% is all that you need. Uh, she said, remember, uh, when you give up God's 85 uh, for the enemy's 15, you come out the loser. When we... Huh? 
How many homes have been ruined because somebody got their eyes off the 85 and onto the 15? How many churches have been destroyed because somebody got their eyes off of the 85 and on the 15? How many testimonies have been destroyed because we got our eyes off of all that God has done and focused on what the enemy's offering us? You can't see clearly. Notice, not only can, she, can they not see clearly, look at the second part of verse number 14, if you would. And asked not counsel at the mouth of God. Ding, 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 ding. We can stop right there and shut the whole thing down. The Israelites should have learned this with the battle of Ai. If you were here when we preached that message, one of the great mistakes that they made was we can handle this. We've got this on our own. They did not put the Ark of the Covenant in front of them. They did not seek counsel from the Word of God, and they were utterly destroyed. Now they're about to make the same mistake again. You see, folks, I I love you this morning, but one of the reasons I get so nervous when people start laying out of church Because I'm wondering, are they listening to the words of the enemy? One of the things that makes me so nervous when I see folks who used to be on fire for God backing away from God, I'm wondering, are they listening to the lies of the enemy? We all have these little voices within us. I don't mean that we hear voices. (laughs) Although that too. We all have the voice of the Holy Spirit and the voice of the enemy uh, tugging a war against us. It was John R. Rice uh, who said, It is God's will that we seek his face and we give him time to give us answer before we turn to the voice that's raging within. You know this already, but I like to quote it. Isaiah 40, 31, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Finally, this morning, not only do we see the enemy is deceptive, the enemy is disruptive. You hear what I'm about to say and say amen. The enemy can be defeated. God did not save us to dwell in the pig pit of sin. God did not save us to dwell in the muck and the mire of this sorry world. Don't misunderstand me. You're going to be tempted. You might find you tiptoe in it once in a while. But honey, you do not have to dwell there. Jump down to verse number 22 quickly. Scripture says, Joshua called for them. He spake unto them, saying, Wherefore, the word wherefore means why. Wherefore, have you beguiled us, saying, We are very far from you when ye dwell among us. We did not take time to read the intermarry verses. You go back and look at them. You will find that the moment Joshua realizes what's happened, the instant that he realizes he's messed up, he instantly goes back and says, we got to fix this thing now. He doesn't say, we'll wait, uh, we'll tackle it later, uh, we'll put the problem off, uh, we'll get some more input, uh, we'll see what the other people think. The instant he sees the issue, uh, he says, we got to fix this thing now. May I say to you folks, that's a good piece of advice. Because we have to confront our enemy. 
I know I hear from people sometimes, I don't like confrontation. I get it, I understand, but you cannot avoid confrontation with your enemy. You cannot back off, you cannot back away, you cannot run, you cannot back down, because I promise you, he will follow you everywhere you go. Our enemy can be controlled. Jump to verse number 7 for our final verse this morning. Joshua made them that day hewers of wood, drawers of water for the congregation, for the altar of the Lord, even unto this day, in the place which he, Joshua, should choose. You go back home and you read this, you will find that Joshua ripped him a new one. He said, you know what? You got us. You tricked us. We messed up. You're right. We did it. We gave in. We failed in this instance. Uh, If I may paraphrase, he said, you won this battle, but I got a God that's already won the war. Amen. You got victory in this instance. I messed up. We blew it. But this is not the end. This thing ain't over. We're going to get back on the God train. And my God's already declared victory over you. So we're not working for you. You're going to work for us. And he turned to him and said, I can't kill you because I messed up. But what I can do is bring you under control I'm done with this until you breathe your last breath you can't destroy your flesh you will battle it but you can bring it under control it does not have to control you I've listened, I'm done, but you hear me. Men, look at me. I've listened to men who will sometimes say preacher, I just can't control my temper hogwash hogwash If you can't control your own temper, you're giving control of it to somebody else. I've heard people in my office say, Preacher, I just can't control my tongue. Hogwash. If you can't, you're giving control of it to somebody else. I've heard people say, I can't control my hormones. As if we've never been there. Hogwash. Here's what we got to do, folks. We got to decide what we are and are not going to do before the enemy ever greets us in the face. Amen. We can't expect to have control of the hormones when they're raging out of control. We've got to have our mind made up. I'm not going past here. And that ain't just for teenagers. That's for everybody. You see, folks, our enemy does not have to control us. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Nobody's looking. Thank you for your attention. We'll not have a lengthy invitation. Brother Ken's going to sing one verse. One verse. I'm going to ask two questions. The first one you don't need to raise your hand but I'll implore you to just pause a moment with me if you're here today and the enemy is battling you over something I don't even know what that something is 
Maybe it's a battle for your mind. Issues that you're dealing with at work, at home, at school. Whatever the problem is, could I implore you to step out right now? There are folks who've already moved. Come on, all over. Enemies battling you over something. Step out right now. All over. Both sides of the aisle. Come on. Either side. Come on. Thank you. Come on. Thank you. Thank you. And I want to ask you a second question. Nobody's looking. Most important question you've ever been asked is this. If you're here today and you're not sure when you die, you'd go to heaven. You say, preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure I'm saved. Nobody's looking, just me. Preacher, pray for me. Anyone like that this morning? Anyone like that? Father, thank you so much for the invitation time that you've given us. Lord, I pray your blessings upon it now. If folks need to move, I pray that you'd step, have them step out right now. In Christ's name, Brother Ken, sing us one verse. together we'll be dismissed I need thee oh I need thee all over the building sing it with us now I need thee oh I need every hour you to be back with us tonight at six o'clock I keep really copious records of everything I preach and for what I can tell in my own records I've never preached out of this book tonight never preached about this character tonight and I was reading through it in my own personal devotion a couple of weeks ago and thought man there's some deep application here you be with us tonight brother Ken dismiss us in prayer back tonight at six o'clock pray for us buddy Heavenly Father God we are thankful Lord for the message you brought by our way this morning God thank you for speaking through our pastor's heart God, may we apply this lesson to our life, Lord, here today. And Father, just ponder on the things that you have taught us through your word. God, we sure are thankful, Lord, for this place, Father, for our congregation. Lord, I pray, God, we're looking forward to what you're going to give us tonight. Father, just uh, keep us safe as we go our separate ways. Bring us back tonight, Lord. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen.